Welcome to the Booktopia Podcast. I'm Sarah McDooling. I'm so excited to be sitting here today with Nicola Moriarty to talk about her brand new book, You Need to Know. Hi, Nicola. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. I actually read your book last night. I don't often, it, it, it's not often that I'm this fresh off the book when I get to speak to the author, so I'm really excited and full of questions. But before I launch into them, Could you just tell the people listening a little bit about, like, set up the story of You Need to Know? Sure thing. Okay, so You Need to Know is set, uh, well, the opening is set on Christmas Eve uh, with a car accident that has happened. Uh, And then the book moves back through time to have a look at the people who are involved in this car accident. And uh, there is the realisation that the car accident has involved um, multiple members of the same extended family and they were travelling on convoy, um, in convoy uh, to head away for Christmas. And you have a look at this family and start to get clues about who might have caused this car accident, how it might have happened. And as you go along, start to uncover some deep, dark things about this family and, and what's simmering under the surface. I just got a shiver thinking about (laughs) it. Um, Where did the idea for this come from? That is an excellent question. Uh, I had, uh, I don't know why, but I had this image in my mind of somebody coming upon a car accident and slowly realising, hey, I know that car, that's my mum's car, and then looking around and going, I know that car, I know that car. Uh, Just this idea of finding a car accident and realising you know everybody involved and um, the horror you would feel. And it was just, I just had that one simple idea. I didn't know who these people were or who'd caused the accident or anything like that. Uh, And at the same time, I found that I started thinking about the children's book uh, by Pamela Allen, uh, Who Sank the Boat, which um, I used to read to my kids. And uh, I kept having that line run through my head all the time, who sank the boat? And it kind of became this mantra for me where I'd go, who caused the accident? Uh, Especially as I was writing the book and I didn't know, I'd lie in bed at night and just think to myself, who sank the boat? Who sank the boat? And, yeah, so those kind of two things came together and, yeah, that was the initial initial spark. And so... So you've got your scenario and then you're filling it with these characters and this family, which includes three brothers who are all about to be published, uh, published authors or about to be published authors. So wherever would you get the inspiration for something like that? (laughs) I know, it's so strange that I would write about three sibling authors. Um, So... It, again, when I started, I just started, you know, I knew I wanted to have this big family that were involved in this car accident. And I think one day I was I was thinking, right, time to kind of explore these characters and figure out who they are and what they do. And I started thinking about one of them being a writer. I started thinking, oh, I don't think I've really written a writer before and it might be nice to write about something that I know. And then it slowly dawned on me maybe this could be a fun chance to explore the idea of three siblings as writers and obviously I will make sure they're very different from myself and my sibling writer uh, family. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I I think it was just a a bit of fun really to do that. It was fun to read. Um, I 
I really love when authors go a bit meta and write about the industry and write about being an author and you know it's not it's not just that you've got authors in this you've got you know critics and a lot of information about the publishing world and how it sort of works and there's an illustrator as well um so you know was it fun doing that like getting to sort of write about your your industry <laughs> absolutely yeah. and I think the uh, best bit about it is you don't have to research it because you're <laughs> writing something that you know um so you know and I'm I'm not the best at research that's not my strong suit I often will just go story first and worry about details later and I'll come back later and do the research and fix things if I realise, oh my God, that would never happen. That's totally <laughs> not factual. Uh, but so yeah, being able to write about an industry that I've been in for a while now um, was really enjoyable because I didn't have to research it and I had little stories and bits and pieces ready to go. So yeah, it was just uh, quite enjoyable. So one of the writer characters in your book who is incidentally probably with the exception of a certain dog, my favourite character, um, is Darren. And he's one of the three brothers. He's had a a highly awarded um, first novel that maybe isn't selling the way that it had hoped that it would sell. And he's working on his second book. And he's really affected by a negative review that he read once and so reading this you know immediately the question pops into your head has Nicola Moriarty ever read a negative review and has that haunted her so has it (laughs) yes (laughs) and actually I think I I even had Darren focus in on three words in the review and I I think that is pretty much what I had Um, so my first book I had a really bad review um, from the age and I just remember being devastated. I just remember getting that, you know, that cold feeling Mm. all over my body like, oh my God, this is just awful. This, I'm never going to be a writer again because clearly I can't do it. And it was, yeah, the main word I still remember is inept. Um, oh, ouch. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and obviously, though, I, I did get over it and start going, it's okay, you're allowed to have bad reviews. And I've had plenty of bad reviews since and sometimes I can brush them off no problems. Sometimes, depending on uh, what they say, they'll still sometimes... Um, hit a bit hard but I've learnt that and I actually quite like now well-rounded reviews where somebody does give you a bit of criticism Mm. but they're quite fair about it I really enjoy those because then I go great I'm going to learn from this I'm going to take this advice and uh, so yeah I've, I've gotten much better now. I feel that those are the only reviews as a reader that I take seriously the ones that uh, maybe have a few criticisms, but uh, and it's balanced. Yeah. I, um, being in the book selling game, have the luxury of not having to review a book that I didn't enjoy. So I, so I get to just only write about the books I love. And um, I have just read your book last night, so, you know, there was a review pending. But um, I feel like if I am deciding whether or not to re- read a book and um, – 
we'll talk about non-work reading in my life as a human when I'm like should I read this book and uh, I will go to Goodreads and read the reviews and if there's a one if there's one that's entirely negative you don't take it seriously because that's a person who's only got negative things to say about a book that they presumably read the whole thing of yep and so that that's not a serious thing to me and if it's you know if it's 100% positive, I will take it seriously because often I just want to be convinced <laughs> to read the book. Yep. But, yeah, I did find it inter- interesting that your character, Darren, is haunted by this review and three words in particular and has not taken any of the rest of the review in. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's yeah. and that's definitely so easy to do. Um, I've done that before as well. I've looked at a review and missed the good bits because I've zeroed in on the criticisms but – like I said, I've gotten better at it. Yeah. I've gotten better at seeing the whole picture and appreciating the constructive feedback and um, and enjoy trying to improve. And I did on my last book, the same reviewer who gave me that review of my first book gave me a good review on my <gasps> last book and it was just this wonderful moment huh. of <laughs> I just felt like okay I've I've gotten there I've you know each book you want to get better you want to mm. improve and it felt like this is a good sign that I'm doing something right oh that's so cool yeah well as well as having a lot of uh writer characters in in the story there's a, there's a wider cast and there's a lot going on in this book and I getting to the end of it you know you're sitting with a book and you're thinking about the themes and, and, and what it's saying. And it seemed to me that this is perhaps more than anything a lot about parenting. Um, it, you've got a character who's in Mimi who's got two children, like an eight and a, is she 16? Uh, yes, 16. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so two older children with a bit of an age gap and has just had baby twins and is yep. going through a lot kind of... <clears throat> struggling as a mother of newborns and as a mother of older kids and you've got the character of Andrea who's decided not to have children and is kind of wrestling with that decision and questioning herself and you've got Jill who is a parent of three grown boys and you know has a lot of stuff going on wondering if she's been a good parent so how I guess in writing this book like what did you what do you think is the most challenging aspect of being a parent and how did you discover anything about your own thoughts of parenthood writing this uh yeah so definitely i i wanted to explore all those different stages of motherhood and i wanted to explore especially the guilt associated with motherhood as well mm. uh it it did take a bit for me to go back. So for Mimi to have these twin babies, I had to cast my mind back because my girls are now 12 and 10. So it was a bit of, okay, now try and remember what it was like when they were babies. Um, and I think I've, you know, when they were babies, I thought it was the hardest thing in the world. But now that I've got one who's about to be a teenager, I'm preparing myself for what might actually be the hardest stage Mm. Uh, and yeah and then also having this matriarch of the family of the three grown sons and whilst being careful not to give anything away she is dealing with uh, things how do I (laughs) Um, with what you 
know about your children and what you, how far you should go to protect your children. Yeah, I'm trying to be really careful. Yeah, you have to tread carefully. Sorry. Well, and she's she's grieving as well. Yes, so, um, yes, she is also. Um, so grieving. this is a family who's just lost someone like yes. prior to the beginning of the book. Yes. And I was mentioning to you before the podcast, the character of Frank, Jill's husband and, and the father of the three brothers is, um, you know, a, a, a presence in this book without ever actually being there because he's passed before the book begins. Is it challenging? Because I really cared about Frank and I have finished this book with a strong sense of who Frank was yes. and he is not living on the page. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, is that is that hard? Like, did, did you have to consciously find ways to bring him out or is it just...? I Yeah, no, I don't think it was something that I was feeling the need to to make sure I did. So it's mm. nice to hear that it, <laughs> it happened <laughs> on its own. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of, you know, maybe that's normal in life that when somebody is gone they still live on through yourselves, mm. um, their family and so on. My own father passed away last year and I try to, I think, I know it's important to still talk about him with my daughters and to, you know, I don't want to to not talk about him. So he's still very much, um, yeah, a presence in our world. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's just, it just kind of happened yeah. naturally in that way. And I liked Frank as well in the book, so I'm glad to hear that you liked him. He's, yeah, no, he's great. And that is another theme running through this book is, grief and managing grief and how we remember and talk about the people that are gone and I got there you you got me several times really in very emotional um when a book is this it's very fast-paced it's very character driven yep um and you know you're switching let's let's talk about the structure of your book okay so (laughs) I did I did I always wonder this when you've got a time sort of jump, like you've got two timelines, I guess, happening that converge. Yes. And you are switching character perspectives um, and you've also got letters through this book. Yep. And so it's very kind of finely crafted in a way to parcel out the information as the plot moves forward and you find out things that have happened in the past and you're getting tidbits of things that are going to happen in the future and um, you're seeing it from all these different characters' points of view and the ones you write from are as important as the ones you don't write from. Yep. And whenever I'm reading a book that is that well done, I'm always like, what comes first? Do you, <laughs> do you just start writing and then decide whose perspective and then decide the timeline or, you know, does the structure come to you and then you, like, yep. elaborate? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, so the structure pretty much um, I was writing it in the way that it has ended up as. Mm -hmm. And I actually really enjoy writing it that way because it means that if I'm a bit stuck on one character, I jump to the next character and, you know, then it's kind of okay. And then they might propel the story along and make it easier for me to come back to the next character. And because I knew all along it was going to be building up to this accident, I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed writing a chapter and then going, okay, here's a snippet of the accident. And it meant as well because I was looking forward to writing the accident. You know, I knew it was going to be a big, fun 
fun. It's, it's <laughs> that horrific, sounds bad. But yes. it's very intense. Yeah, fun, terrible thing. Um, I sorry. Um, <laughs> you can kick whatever yeah, furniture sorry, you want. Just yes, <laughs> knock the place down. Um, uh, so because I was looking forward to writing that big scene, being able to put these snippets in between chapters meant that every now and again I had a little kind of um, chance to look ahead. Mm. So, yeah, pretty much obviously there's a lot to tidy up when I get to the end of the first draft to kind of go back and go, hang on a sec, if this happened on a Friday, why are they going to school the next day on Saturday? That kind of thing needs tidying up and, you know, you might kind of, yeah, just find that, timing's gone wrong or I don't have enough of those snippets in between sections so yeah there's a lot of fixing up at the end but I actually really enjoy this you know going between timelines and going between characters I think it just helps me to keep it fresh as I'm Mm. going and yeah and help stop um the writer's block because yeah if I'm just living in one character and I kind of go well now it's the next day what are they doing today what's happening in their life and and what's happening in their life that's going to keep somebody reading as well so if I could jump to somebody else then okay something interesting is now happening to him yeah (laughs) yeah and you you do it really well there's one again spoiler free there is a character whose perspective we don't get until quite late Yes. In the novel, and that was very powerful. Thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I just, I mean, you've answered my question, so I, I feel like I, <laughs> I, I just want to reiterate that it was just really so skillfully done. Like, I just, I love reading a book and feeling like you're in the hands of an author who just knows exactly how to propel you through the story and show you, you know, the best perspective on each little twist and turn. Wow, it was, it was really you. great. If you could see me, see that I was <laughs> blushing. That's just really lovely. Thank you. Um, switching back to other themes in the book, we've discussed a little bit the, the different kinds of motherhood that you went into, but I also thought it was really interesting that, you know, through the character of Darren and Pete and Frank too, you talk about fatherhood a fair bit. So um, I don't know if it's a spoiler to kind of briefly outline Darren's situation is that I think that's okay okay cool yeah so Darren my established favorite character (laughs) is um has is sort of still in love with his ex-girlfriend who has their relationship ended because she has figured out that she is lesbian and she's with someone else now and they want to have a child and she has approached her ex who's still in love with her to potentially father that child and so that is a huge dilemma and he's in a situation where he's thinking about what it would be like to have a child that he wouldn't raise. Yes. And um, you've also got Pete, who is one of the other brothers, um, married to Mimi, who has um, the babies and the older kids. Just, yep. I'm, I know, I, I feel like I'm telling you these characters. I'm, just, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm outlining it for the people listening so they can kind of assemble the cast in their mind. I kind of appreciate you outlining it for me as well. Because it's just been a in while case, yeah, <laughs> In case I forget. I'm like, because sometimes I'll, I'll even come up like with a complete mind blank on one of my own character names and I'll just be panicked and I'm like, I, I, I made these people. I should remember their names. I should do them justice of remembering their names. So I appreciate you outlining it. You are the god of these people. You, you created them. She, so, so Pete is presented, I think, 
um, as such a great dad, right? Like he's, he's, and you, I don't, I hope you don't mind my saying, let drop before the podcast that he was a little bit based on your husband. Yeah. So lucky you. <laughs> and, um, <Thank> you. <laughs> and he's a great, and I think he stands out in this book as a really good example of like a, a great partner for Mimi. Nice. And you, through the character of Jill, you see her compare um, Pete and the way that he is with Mimi to the way Frank was um, as a father when she had young a young child. Yeah. Um, and I thought there was just interesting commentary there on how things have changed and what is expected now of fathers. Yes. And um, and just you know a lot of. A lot of interesting ideas about just parenthood in general in this book um, and that <laughs> I, and that is only like one facet of it like <laughs> because the you know there is there's a lot happening here and it does stray to some really like upsetting subject matter yes and so I wondered how hard that is to write for you because I mean it's a area that I'm imagining you might have to have done some research and it would have been really difficult. Yes yeah so um, so on fatherhood first Mm. as far as the um, comparisons between the older generation and how father father was involved and so on I think a lot of that just comes from my own world and looking at my parents and knowing that I loved the way both my mum and dad raised me but that I wouldn't have wanted to be in that time where the father just goes out to work and the mother is the housewife Mm. and I was very much um, you know when I was first had children and at home at first I thought I would love it because I loved babies and I wanted to be at home with babies and then once I was at home with babies I went I miss the world <laughs> I miss other adults and it was a big shock and so I appreciate the fact that I'm in a modern time where my husband has helped out and uh, is a very hands-on dad and and it's not that my dad wasn't hands-on he was a great dad but it was just that traditional kind of yeah you know mum cooks and dad works yeah and that's how it was that kind I of thing it's very normal parents. yes and I absolutely lo- I, I love my father and he's an amazing father but it yes. was a different time it's just the way it yeah. worked yes whereas um in my household um Many years back, I said to my husband, I don't like cooking. It's your job. <laughs> it's just, no. It's, I, I, nice no, delegating. Can't. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mind doing the cleaning afterwards. Uh, sometimes, you know, later on in the evening, I'll be packing the dishwasher and my husband will go, oh, sorry, I've got to help you. And I went, no, you cooked. It's cool. I'm all yeah. good. You know, and I appreciate that you cooked because I bloody hate it. So... Um, and then on to the second part of what you said about the, um, as you said, we can't give too it's much away. There is, yeah, yeah, there is some very dark subject matter that comes up towards the end of the book uh, that, yes, I did have to do some research into and it was very uncomfortable doing mm. that, but I knew that it was important that I did it, that I, you know, and I wanted to be uh, careful about how I presented this subject matter in the book and I hope that I did it in a sensitive way Um, but yes doing the research on it was quite eye-opening and tough 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's um, it's something I think about because I mean, I I don't classify your book as a, a crime novel. Sure. Really. I mean, I do you like? Where do you think it sits? It's I, like yeah. I've always found it hard to um, to pick the right genre because um, because I actually did um, a Zoom panel last night, which mm. was for Sisters in Crime, and it was with two other crime novels and mine was kind of with those. And it, it makes There's sense. a crime book, so yeah. there is crime in it. But, yeah, I agree. I don't know. I, I guess it kind of crosses a few lines between genres. And so. people say – people throw around the term domestic noir a lot. And yes, I think that's, yeah. that's probably the, um, the label that – is most fitting, fitting. yeah. But yeah, it is a it is a, a family drama, and there is elements in it that would make sense for you to sit on a crime panel. Sure. Um, but reading a lot of crime, you know, I often wonder the areas authors have to go in researching so that they can write sensitively and, um, you know, authoritatively on yes. these subjects is like really difficult. But um, it pays off with this powerful book that you've written. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I would struggle to go fully into all-out crime, like you said, the yes. how far you would have to dive into that world. Oh, people who I write think. those really detailed procedural um, books are just, like, living so much in that world. It's, like, really... It's astonishing yes. to think about that. But the people who do it in real life as a job, like <laughs> yes, it's like true. obviously, yes, it's a it's amazing that we need those people. But I can't imagine ever doing it. Yeah. Well, I sat down because of the uh, big accident scene. I sat down with a friend who's a senior paramedic um, and got her to walk me through, you know, what would happen once you know the first responder turns up to an accident and there's several cars, um, and it was quite fascinating hearing mm. from her exactly how it all works and the bits as well where I you know I kind of said to her so obviously you'd go I said of you know we've got somebody over here getting CPR so obviously you'd go straight to that person they're the one who's most in trouble and she said no we stop we stand in the middle and we assess because if we go racing after that first person we could be missing something over here and she said and it also it sounds uh callous but it could be that that person isn't going to make it, but this person over here Might. we could save <gasps> because they're not as far Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was quite confronting and I really appreciated her time and, and giving me all of that information and it just also made me – I just felt in awe of her and the job that she does and the job that, yeah, anybody in that kind of, you know, whether it's paramedic, firefighter, mm. police, all of those, doctor, nurse, all of these jobs that people do that I just look at and I think How? they're amazing. Yeah, that must have been fascinating. It was, yeah, absolutely, just to kind of go, right, that's – how it works and it's very much about she said you know you just you can't go racing off she said you've got to have a look around and consider how many people are here and how many she said if you're the first one to arrive as well you're being outnumbered by mm. the people um you've got to plan ahead ready for when more people arrive to be able to say to them so they start off by going around and going right you know it's i can't remember the exact colors but it was like yellow for 
you know, not as serious and red and so on oh for my God. what level they're at so that when the next people arrive, they can go to the person. Yeah, there's there's so much more to it that I have. I would never, I would never have known any of that, but it must yes. have been, and I mean, I, the book, I can sort of see how much knowledge you must have gleaned from them because, you know, again, treading carefully there are things in the accident that almost get missed yes Um, yes which you know without that level of research and meeting these people who do it in real life like how would you know that that's how it is yeah yeah and I had to be at the same time as taking all of her information and I wanted to put everything in but then I had to also consider keeping things a fast-paced narrative Mm you know, not slowing everything down to make sure I do every step of the procedure and then the reader's going, okay, just get on with the story. Oh, you definitely (laughs) pulled that off. I think my eyes are nearly bulging out of my head when I was reading that scene. I just needed to – you need to know everyone's okay and you want to – there's so many cars and, like – yeah. Yeah, it was. It's very, very tense to read. Yeah, and you be- just said the book title as well, then, because you said you need, you to, need to know, know. <laughs> everybody's okay. So there's another, another reason why it works. It is a very apt title <laughs> on levels. Thank <laughs> you. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we've talked about you need to know. I could keep talking about it probably for another <laughs> hour easily, but um, we are under time limits, so I will take this opportunity to ask. Um, What's up next? Are you, are you allowed to talk about what you're working on at the moment? Sure. Um, so I'm very early stages, but I do have next book. Um, yeah, I've got the ideas kind of going. I've got an outline. Um, when I say an outline, I don't mean an outline that tells me how it's all going to work out or anything like that, <laughs> but more just a, yeah, a very vague synopsis. But I can say that the next book is going to open – uh, with a woman lying on a lounge room floor and she's thinking to herself, wow, being dead is going to really suck. And as she's lying there, she thinks, I can't do anything about it, but what I can do while I'm lying here in my last minutes is figure out who killed me. <gasps> and, uh, yes, that's my what? opening of my next book. I'm hooked. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, yes, so that's the uh, yes, that's the premise of it. Um, so she's going to solve yes, her own murder in her in dying her, moment. Yes, that's her. Yes, her name is Harriet, and um, she's not a well liked person. And so she's got a list, quite a list, as she lies there and thinks she's um, she's always put herself first. She's uh, you know kind of grown up realizing. Um, at the, I've very tentatively titled it crybabies um but i think that title's going to change well, pretty much all of my yeah changes, they yeah. always change um but at the moment it's titled that because in her mind as when she was younger she was always and i think maybe i've done this because this was me when i was younger i was always a bit of a crybaby basically um Just means you're in tune with your emotions a sensitive soul <laughs> uh and but this is a woman who at a certain age suddenly went no nah, the world doesn't have time for that but maybe she's gone too far the other way in putting herself first she's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and so yeah she's she's gonna lie there and she's gonna go okay I'm gonna start with a list and I'm gonna work this out so yes ah I love that premise thank you good (laughs) my only complaint is I can't read it immediately (laughs) I will work as fast as I can I promise (laughs) 
Oh, it's been so amazing getting to talk to you. Thank um, you. Today, thank you so much for coming. That's okay. Thank you for having me. I always love coming here and I get the sense that Booktopia must be a fantastic place to work because I come in and everybody is big smiles and so happy and so friendly and I look around and go, everybody is just happy. And wow. so you guys must love working here. Well, funny that you say that. I just passed 10 years here. Oh, wow. It was, and it's and it's. That's so a good strange. Sign. It's so strange to think I've been here this long. But, I mean, when when you come in, I have a big smile because I'm always <laughs> pleased to see you. Um, and also, you know, like I love getting to talk to authors and do the author visits. And yep. when I leave this podcast, I will be headed back to my desk to stare at some spreadsheets. So, ah, okay. like, <laughs> this is the highlight of my day. Fair enough. <laughs> but you're also welcoming as well. And because I'll walk in and I'll think to myself, but they get way more famous people than me here. Like, sometimes I do kind of go, I'm sitting in a chair where somebody like Neil Gaiman or... He has you know, sat in that yeah, chair. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now I'm fangirling. Um, yeah, but you get such big names here. So it would be easy for you to go, yeah, Nicola, meh. Um, but you guys are really welcoming and it's nice and I That's love it. That's wonderful to hear. Look, if, we're, if we've got someone coming in for a signing, you know, they'll always, they'll always and, and a podcast, you know, yep. someone has read the book. Mm-hmm. In this case, I have read your book. And I think, you know, Regardless how how hugely well known an author is, when you've read a book, you've kind of been in their mind, and you can't help, you know, yep. being a bit starstruck. So, <laughs> yeah. But yes, it, we we love having you in. Thank I, you. I very much look forward to sitting here and talking to you about the potentially named crybabies. Yes. <laughs> and it'll probably feel like no time has passed at all when that happens. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Ah. <sighs> well, everyone listening. You can order your copy of You Need to Know or any one of Nicola Moriarty's backlist titles online at Booktopia or at your local bookstore. Uh, Thanks so much for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.